0: Welcome to our season opener for season five of the RN Mentor podcast. I am very excited to be joined uh, today by Dr. April Kapu. Uh, She is an acute care nurse practitioner and associate dean for clinical and community partnerships at Vanderbilt University School of Nursing. Dr. Kapu is also the current president of the American Association of Nurse Practitioners, Prior to her role as Dean, she served as Associate Chief Nursing Officer for Advanced Practice Nursing, Vanderbilt University Medical Center. Dr. Kapu is a professor of nursing and educator in Vanderbilt's DNP program. She has led several grant-funded research projects, has presented for national and international conferences, authored chapters in advanced practice nursing textbooks, and published numerous manuscripts in numerous peer-reviewed medical and nursing journals. She holds several professional roles, including fellow for the Society of Critical Care Medicine, fellow for the American Association of Nurse Practitioners, and fellow of the American Academy of Nursing. Prior to being elected as president for the AANP, Dr. Kapu served as Tennessee state representative and later as Region 4 Director for the AANP Board of Directors. She is an active member of the Tennessee Nurses Association, served as past chair for the Tennessee Government Affairs Committee and Tennessee APRN Committee. And she represented Tennessee NPs on the Tennessee Governor's Special Commission focused on pain and addiction treatment education. She has chaired and has served as a member of several interprofessional healthcare boards and committees. Dr. Kapu has received numerous awards, including uh, the VUMC Transformational Nurse Leader of the Year and Tennessee Hospital Association's Nurse of Clinical Distinction. Dr. Kapu holds both a master's and doctoral degree in nursing from Vanderbilt's University School of Nursing. Welcome to the show, Dr. Kapu.
1: Well, thank you. It's great to be here.
0: Thank you. Uh, so uh, I can see that you're definitely involved with Tennessee. <laughs> and I'm so excited because we're gonna we're gonna talk about what I want before we get into your why you became a nurse. Uh, I, would, I definitely want to get into some of the other work that you've done in the state of Tennessee because so much of the work that nursing does. Is hospital-based or clinical-based, and we don't think of the larger impact of what we can do on a state side. So, uh, this is exciting for me. Uh, So, again, thank you for coming on the show. This is our uh, first episode of season five, uh, and thank you for agreeing to be on. Uh, So, I'll start with my first question: How did you get start? How did you get your start in the world of nursing?
1: Well, it's a kind of a um, an interesting story. I when I was in uh, like probably many uh, kids in college I didn't quite know what I wanted to do and um, I was looking at a lot of different options and I met my husband and this is years ago this is back in the in the 80s and um, and I met my husband and 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 we and he was really a huge, uh, he's always been a, a huge influence in my life. And he helped me to talk through some different strengths and weaknesses. And I knew I wanted to go into healthcare in some aspect. And I actually started my first interest with social work. And I wanted to be a social worker. I um, loved that content in my coursework and in, in my undergrad. And I actually, my first degree was in social work. And I, uh, my first job was um, for, it was in Hawaii and it was for um, Victim Witness Kokua. And that uh, was a program where um, I helped um, women and children, victims of domestic violence through the court system. That was challenging work. It was tough emotionally. I mean, just their experiences are just like you could never imagine and helping them through that process. And then I got a little bit involved in what was happening more close to my house out on the North Shore uh, and the children in that area. And and there are a lot of Hawaiian children in the area. And I worked closely with the nurse as well as other social workers. And I watched that nurse and I thought, I like what she's doing and and I want to do more um and I think I want to expand my career into nursing. So I uh went back into nursing um and loved it and I actually went into critical care uh in the ICU because when I did my rotations that's where I thought this is where I want to be. It's just uh, fantastic. I, even as a student I loved uh, just sitting down and speaking with families. So we've been in the ICU, uh, and there's just so much happening, uh, the, 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 you know, all the alarms and the ventilators and the um, CRRT and, 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 and ECMO and all the different things that are happening in the ICU Most people don't see that on a day-to-day basis, right? That that is not something that they see. They they might see it on TV, but they don't really see the intensity of the ICU. And I think the best part for me as a nurse were was talking with the patients and families and kind of going through the steps of why they're there and better understanding what they were talking about on rounds and how that applies to them and then just Listing out their goals and 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 I really like that, but I also like the basics. I I love bathing uh, the patient. I worked as a night nurse for a very long time, and that was probably the best part of my night was um, you know bathing, turning over, shampooing their hair. I had a little kit with a hair dryer and all this cool stuff so that they could feel a little bit better while they were in the ICU, um, and I just. I, that was really my niche. I, found, I fell in love with nursing uh, early on and um, I knew this was for me. And, you know, that's kind of how I fell into being a nurse practitioner. I also uh, worked with some fantastic nurse practitioners and knew that, you know, that was something that I wanted to pursue. And then I, you know, went on to get my, um, you know, my graduate education and ultimately doctorate. Uh, as a nurse
0: practitioner. Fantastic. I love the fact that you talk about critical care, but your best experience has been bathing the patients because that's where we really get to connect. And I can relate to that. When I was uh, in the Navy, uh, my first duty station was at the Naval Medical Center in San Diego. Uh, It was called Naval Hospital San Diego at the time. And I was the go-to guy because I was also working night shifts. I was the go-to guy in the mornings. Uh, as I got off shift, I would come back. Um, like I would go change my clothes or whatever and then come back. And I had certain patients that my, like the day shift nurses, they were like, Ollie, can you shave that patient for us? Because that was like my specialty is how to shave older men. Oh, yeah. that can't, because, you know, the skin is a little bit more sensitive and, and, you know, like, uh, the the nurses on the unit were always like ali can you shave I'm like yeah let me guys just go clean up and I'll come back and that's one of the things i and like one of my best some of my best memories are not like the the traumas and the things like that but it's actually making those little connections and I always try to tell my my students is like like enjoy those times that's what nursing is about is the connection like the the trauma, the beeps, and the machinery, and all that stuff is one thing, but what, nerd, what makes nursing nursing is those connections that we can make and those individual care that we give yeah. as nurses. I wasn't a nurse at the time; I was a corpsman. Um, but that was uh, that was like one of my best memories. Is like you know the fact that I, I came back, I sat as I, I sat by their bed, set them up, and I shaved there. Um, they don't shave with razors anymore but uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's one of those it's one of those things and they always and like these are former military people that were always clean shaven mm-hmm. and now they're in the hospital for days on and not being able to shave themselves not having the you know uh, so it was always so I, uh, so I love that fact that you're you kind of related to that. Um, now uh, now you mentioned you started uh, as, as in social work. Uh, mm-hmm. And I know I deal with the, I also teach in the, um, the, uh, the accelerated bachelor's program. And I always love the energy and the experience that comes with those prior degrees. How did your work in social work? And I, and I already you know have things in my mind, but how did that work contribute to your, to the work of nursing that you did moving forward? Cause I know you, Again, from the conversations you had with families and things like that, how did that how did that complement each other?
1: I think that was so. That, I think that's the first thing, the first love that I have, and that is connecting uh, with patients. And you you do that as a social worker too, and you learn um, counseling skills, support skills. Uh, you learn how to listen and to uh, engage. And so I use all of that uh, in nursing. And I think the most important thing for me is that every single patient, and we we see lots of patients every day, but every single patient, when you're with that patient, that's the most important thing. And those are the most important moments for that patient. And, And they don't care that you've got 20 other people to go and see or, that they, they need your attention right then and there. And I learned that early in, in social work and I've carried that throughout my career. Is When you're in that moment, whether it's a vaccination or you're swabbing or for or testing for COVID, that moment is so important to make that connection. Um, and you, the, the nurses establish trust and they engage their patients in sometimes a matter of seconds. And that can be transforming in terms of the patient being able to better understand and empower the patient to be very engaged in their own care as well. And in the conversation and not feel like they're just having things done to them, but they're engaged. And and that's what we do uh, as nurses. So I, I carry those skills over. But as a nurse, there are things that we can do and see Uh, And and achieve things. So we can give that vaccination. Now they've been vaccinated. Uh, We can do the bathing and the turning. We can put in the IV and we have accomplished things. And um, with social worker, that's a little, those tangible things are a little bit more difficult to, uh, to achieve Uh, but with nursing, you can. So even though we have the beauty of those connections throughout the day, we still have a long, long list of all of the things that need to be done um, for the care of that patient. And so at the end of the day, we have done that and done that very well. They've gotten their medications on time. We've drawn their labs. We've reviewed their labs. We've done all our documentation, all of those things. um, By the end of the day, we, we can feel that we, we, it's been a good day. We've made those connections. We've cared for that patient in the very best way um, possible. And so it's been a good day.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, And I I think from a a social worker perspective, um, you you also, you know, right now we have to think, uh, I always feel like, like nursing, sometimes um, we practice in silos, even though we're supposed to be the one that are connecting all the dots for the patient, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things I always tell my students: make sure that you're not looking at just what you, the resources that you have, but the resources that people around you have, like the team has, right? And that's just as important. Um, so that kind of um, that kind of insight is good to have going into nursing, right? So you're you have you have those two different skill sets that you're that you're combining into one, even though you're still. Um, you're still doing that kind of work that's fantastic um now you you now you went for your uh, graduate prog- program uh what uh what influenced you into uh going from being in critical care to saying you know what i want to become a nurse practitioner uh what was where did that switch turn on or was it always on
1: Well, well, it's like I said, I I worked with some great nurse practitioners in our ICU. And so I I knew I would um, continue on and get my graduate, my master's degree as a nurse practitioner and in acute care. So I knew I wanted to stay in critical care. And I love that. And when you uh, describe working together with all the different members of the team, that's exactly what you do in, in, in critical care. Uh, The NP, um, or at least where I worked, uh, I was the gatekeeper for the patient. So all the different consultants, uh, nurses, uh, social workers, uh, physical therapists, respiratory therapists, everybody that was involved in the care of the patient, that was what I did was coordinate that, coordinate when treatments were going to happen, when they were going to get, you know, making sure my orders were right so that they would get their medications at the right time and things like that. Um, so coordinate coordinating care is huge. And and we work very closely with I and I was in the cardiovascular I work very closely with the surgeons. And there was just such a wonderful respect for what I did as a nurse practitioner, but also um uh for the surgeons that I worked with. I just they were world class in what they did. So that team and everybody working to the top of their uh education and to the full scope of their education. That uh, really is the very definition of a high functioning, highly reliable team. So I love that atmosphere. I love it when everybody's engaged and, and we're all working towards the same goal. We might have very different perspectives, backgrounds, backgrounds. Um, things that we do on a day-to-day basis, but we're all coming together and bringing that diversity of perspective uh, to the care of that patient. And, and I love that. I just love that energy. Um, where I worked, we actually, um, at, at Vanderbilt, they built a critical care tower uh, back in 2008, 2009, and that doubled all of the ICU beds at Vanderbilt. And we had a, a, a great team of NPs in our CVICU. We worked around the clock, 24-7. Um, not all of us, but there was a team of us that covered the unit <laughs> 24-7. And I um, noticed some things that I thought that could be probably done better if there was a, an NP leader for that team. And so when the, um, and then, and then also we did a pretty good job. We had great outcomes. Our length of stay was uh, fantastic. Uh, The nurses really loved having NPs there all the time. Um, And we worked really very, um, there was a lot of synergy and a lot of um, just, like I said, that team atmosphere. So when we built out the critical care tower, they, uh, the hospital felt that, nurse practitioners um, and PAs would be good 24-7 in all of the units, even though we're a teaching hospital to have a consistent NP or PA there around the clock. Um, they wanted that in all the ICUs. So I applied for the position uh, to build those teams um, in all of the ICUs. And uh, I and I got the position and it was, it, it, that's when I realized, even though I was great at being a nurse practitioner and um, I had many fantastic NP colleagues I still lacked uh, somewhat in terms of leadership skill and you know, understanding budgets and systems based practice and what happened across the system I was my world was my ICU and that that unit I worked in and so really to be able to broaden my Uh, perspective and be able to see oh this ICU is connected to this one and we're connected to the hospital and to the adjacent hospital and to the larger health system and how do I work with all of the educators and managers and directors across all of the different service lines I I needed I knew I needed more training so I uh, decided to go back and get my doctorate in nursing practice and the education that I got in my doctorate I can tell you when I finished my doctorate, I, and I said this a lot, I did not think the same. (laughs) I thought differently and I could never go back and think as I had before. Not that it wasn't fine before. It's just that growth and that expansion of my knowledge base and how to work through quality issues and, and different you know, problems and how to bring teams together and how to have high functioning, reliable teams across multiple areas. I learned all that. And certainly the financial piece and understanding um, budgeting and, and overall hospital um, finance, that that was huge. And I, I thought differently in my approach and the way I approached uh, things. It, it was different uh, from, from that point on. So I was very grateful um, for that doctorate. And then in 2014, uh, I had the opportunity to step in as associate chief nursing officer for the health system. And that was such a great opportunity to work with some of the greatest nurse leaders I have ever known. They are just still to this day, just the most wonderful mentors and, and not, not as nurse nurse practitioners as, as nurses, they just were amazing nurse leaders. And, um, I was able to, to build up a really strong advanced practice infrastructure, uh, for Vanderbilt and grow our program significantly across, um, inpatient outpatient across our different hospitals and clinics and, and work with fantastic people.
0: Um, it's, um, it's interesting. You met, you mentioned, um, with your with after you finish your doctoral program and I hear that a lot and I say it a lot I'm like it's like a it's a it it really like like turns your head around uh, Mm -hmm. to a point where like how was I ever like looking at things this way when I should have been looking at things this way right it it really is like a uh, even my wife says it and she's she's all uh, like you're not the same person like it changes you like (laughs) not even just from nursing perspective it changes your view like on everything like the <laughs> entire world like all of a sudden looks different to you um and that's one of the things that's hard to just des- it's difficult to describe to people who haven't mm-hmm. been through the program like i you know it happens when you go through your masters are like oh this other view comes into place and same with doctoral programs this other view comes into place was so fantastic mm-hmm. now you mentioned um uh that um you, you have gone, you had gone through uh, several position changes. Um, mm-hmm. And how did, how did you have the preparation to be qualified for those roles, right? Like the positions weren't there and you're like, oh, in five years, I want to be the person that puts these teams together. Like it was all of a sudden there. And -hmm. you're like, and you looked at yourself and says, I can do that. Like what made you think that you were qualified or what, what had you done? What had you done to say, you know what, I have the preparation to step into this role.
1: I think the first uh, leadership role that I took when I went from being working in the CVICU as a nurse practitioner uh, to the director role for critical care, uh, advanced practice. It was really at that point, it was, there were issues and things that lacked understanding that I felt strongly that if there was a nurse practitioner in that role as a leader, they would be able to elevate meaningful priorities. So I'll just give you an example. Um, I, I remember one time it, it was a Saturday morning and I was the only nurse practitioner in our unit and we had 27 beds and 22 of them were on our service. And I just, and, and they're sick patients. We were level one trauma center. I mean, we were a high acuity ICU. And I just remember making my way around trying to get to see all the patients. But then as you know, in an ICU, you're putting out fires constantly, meaning, You know, this person across the hallway has gone into AFib, so you need to go there, you need to address that. Or this person's blood pressure is dropping, you need to um, make an adjustment to their uh, vasopressors or or whatever that might be. So you're putting out those fires. um, And, but then you have to take good care of all the patients too. And that I remember on a Saturday thinking, gosh, we need more help. I need more help. And I remember beginning that journey of asking for, uh, more NPs and, and there were a lot of questions. Well, how many patients should an ICU NP take care of on average? And because we didn't have established ratios. And so there were a lot of the questions that had been answered by our, you know, our, our, by nursing in general, Uh, were not, had not been answered yet for nurse practitioners in the ICU. So I began to see, wow, this is really difficult to navigate, just getting more staffing. And and some of the questions were very, it was hard to hear the question actually. And and so I would have a question like, well, what do you do? What do nurse practitioners do in the ICU? And I would be like, what do you mean? Oh my goodness. We are working, (laughs) you know, you just want to say we're working really hard, but But you have to step back and say, okay, I have to articulate this in a way that the person I'm speaking with really understands and and they understand it from their perspective. And so I I had identified those gaps and I knew that I had a lot to learn when I stepped into that first leadership role, but um, I was able to see where I could possibly come in and help meet a need that was there. And so if we were going to build the team's 24-7 24-7 um, in all of the ICUs. We wanted to have a good supportive infrastructure. We had wanted to have um, staffing models that, were, uh, that made sense and uh, that were reasonable, but also efficient, that we had good orientation education programs in place for our new hires, that we were bringing in people that were qualified for those positions. So these were things that I knew because I was a nurse practitioner. Um, and then I also um, knew that the person that I was going to be working with the CNO at the time, uh, I, I felt a high level of trust that, uh, she would bring me along and teach me the things I didn't know. So that first career step into leadership, it was really relying on, um, you, you know, you've heard the phrase standing on the shoulders of giants. I really felt like I was doing that, that I was learning, from nursing leaders and and physician leaders but largely nursing leaders that had been in the been nurses for you know 30 40 years and they were really helping to impart their knowledge in the areas that I didn't know and so that that was that first step and then the other steps uh, were really because I had developed more skill and, and, and acumen in that particular area that I could move into um, step into a, a larger role..
0: Yes. Um, now um, you know I actually this is a similar conversation I had. Um, I also teach in the DNP program. Um, um, and one of the one of the conversations that came up with one of my students this actually this past semester uh, <clears throat> was the sort of the scope of practice, Uh, issue of how do we get more NPs in those roles in the ICUs and as uh, uh, um, hospitalist type of roles and things like that without running into those, like, I don't want to call them physician roadblocks, but there's, you know, there's quite a number of physicians out there that are, um, that feel there's encroachment in, on their practice when nurse practitioners come on board, even though we know there's overlap, but it's not the same thing, right? Um, so uh, I guess I'm going to ask you to put your, your AANP president hat on and your experience hat on and say, how did you manage those conversations? Because I'm sure at some point somebody said, why are we hiring more MPs? Uh, Even if it happened behind closed doors and maybe not in front of you, I'm sure they happened, but obviously you managed to go over that hurdle by building your MP teams.
1: So I think this, so just stepping back and looking at nurse practitioner practice as a whole, um, if you think back to the early 1960s, nurses saw the need, um, and this was largely in public health, to um, that the, there were patients that needed help, that there needed to be access to care and they knew that they could fill and meet this need. And so you began to see this, the evolution of the advanced practice nurse role. And um, they, they came in, they saw the need and they filled that gap. And, it, and And so you began to see nurse practitioners evolve as well as the other advanced practice nursing roles. Anesthesia is a, is a great example. The um, early CRNAs saw that, that were nurses, they saw, I can do this, I can step in, I can fill this role, and still the nurse at my side fills their role, and the surgeon or the physician fills their role, but there is a clear opportunity for a nurse with, with advanced education and experience to step in and do this and do this very well. And so as healthcare has evolved, the advanced practice nursing role has also evolved. So you see um, in primary care, um, more advanced practice nurses because there are those needs for um, access to care to nurses really understand social determinants of health. We're very holistic in how we provide care. And so there's a great need for that. And so we've met that and continue to meet that. That same thing as the evolution continued to roll out of the advanced practice nurse and and them meeting that need, closing those gaps uh, for our healthcare in general, we saw the same thing on the inpatient side. And so you can imagine a busy ICU and um, you've got nurses there caring for patients you've got, um, in my ICU, we had surgeons there that needed to be in the OR. Well, who is there putting in those orders? Who is there assessing um, the labs and and, and doing the procedures and um, ordering the x-rays and and interpreting all that data so that that work keeps going while the surgeon is in the OR and so that uh, the nurses aren't saying, okay, we've done this, let's move to the next step do I wait or do, you know, do I have a nurse practitioner I can talk to and we can go ahead and begin to, or continue to advance their care. And that's exactly what I did in the ICU. And so we were able to demonstrate that having nurse practitioners there, we really did meet a need and we were able to keep that care going uh, around the clock. So, so patients could continue to um, progress along their trajectory there in the hospital and they could go home uh, or to wherever they were going after. Maybe it might be a a long-term acute care facility or a rehab facility or it's home, but we can make that happen at the right time and not delay their time in the hospital. And so we've seen that over and over again, that nurses, um, we're very good at that. We're very good at seeing this needs to be fixed, this needs to be fixed. And so that's how the advanced practice nurse role evolved. It was because we had so many um, public health nurses out there saying, we can do this, we can meet this need. And therefore we saw the evolution of our education. We saw the whole LACE movement, the licensure accreditation certification education and developing national standards for advanced practice nursing education. This is where we saw the evolution of the consensus model, where we're speaking specifically about nurse practitioners, um, that nurse practitioners are educated with a certain patient population um, in mind. um, and then we saw advanced practice nursing as a whole. We have CRNAs, we have clinical nurse specialists, we have uh, certified nurse midwives, and we have nurse practitioners. And so we began to see the national standardization of the role and to where we are today. So uh, it, it's really important to understand that whole evolution and how it really started where we stepped up to meet serious needs uh, in healthcare. Um, you know, at the, earlier in this de- in, in this century and how that has evolved.
0: That's great. Um, yeah. I mean, a historical perspective is always, always important um, on, on these issues. Um, now I'm going to, uh, and I know the answer to this, but I'm going <laughs> to ask it anyway. Um, what about the issue? And I know this comes up a lot also is, um, again, going back to scope of practice that nurse practitioners don't have enough Uh, clinical time before they graduate. Um, uh, What is, and I know there's talks about increasing clinical time on a national level. Um, What is, what are your thoughts around that?
1: Um, I think this is a, a topic we talk about quite a bit. So every day that you're caring for patients, you're gaining experience. So we all know as a brand new nurse, Um, you know, we passed our NCLEX, we've gotten our um, RN license, and we head out for our first day on the job, we have a lot still to learn. And hopefully, um, if you know, I I had such a great experience, because I had lots of uh, great mentors and wonderful educators. Um, But that very first day on the job, you're new, and you have to learn and you experience comes with day after day after day of caring with patients caring for patients and so you can't really ask the brand new nurse uh, before you can work here as a nurse you're going to have to have 10 years of nursing experience that you've got they've got to be able to to get that experience. And they become better and better and better as nurses. And then they can go on and do the more difficult jobs, get the more difficult assignments. They move into educator roles or charge nurse roles. That's how we um, evolve. It's the same thing for nurse practitioners. When they graduate It's their first day as a nurse practitioner, they're ready for entry level practice. And so they now they need time on the job. And so in their graduate program, they they had uh, clinical training hours where they had to check off, you know, they had to train and and train with a preceptor. They spent time like in acute care, spent time in the simulation lab and you checked off your competencies to show that you could do this work. You, you checked off uh, your competency in writing notes and assessing patients, but now you're on the job, you've got to gain experience. And so I think that's one thing that you have to, even though that's obvious, we have to say that over and over again, whether you're a new nurse, a new nurse practitioner, a new physician, a new social worker, a new, uh, that's exactly what you are. You've just gotten your license and education and this is your first day. Now you need to start to build your base of experience uh, and then and then you grow. So as we're talking today, it's um, with the um, all of the discussions you're hearing in the larger nursing community about the number of clinical hours for nurse practitioners. And is it enough? Um, you have this discussion of, is it really time that we should be focused on or should it be competency-based education? And um, I, I think it's really a combination of both. There's time where you're actually immersed and you're gaining that experience, but there's also competency. So um, if you were, let's just take a procedure. If I was um, you know, to learn how to put in an arterial line, I, I would need to demonstrate that i was competent with that well i love doing this and i um, learned how to put in our tier lines pretty quickly and I'm very very good at it and i train others um, and so i learned that competency pretty quickly whereas maybe somebody else might be might it might take longer weeks months and before they can say i have satisfactorily met that competency so competency-based learning is Uh, where it's when that person is ready and that person is able to check that competency level off and move on to the next. And we all have different strengths and and weaknesses that, and so I think that is a very important element of nursing education that um, is unique to our educational background. So we can't lose that and just focus on time-based education is what I'm trying to say. It needs to be a blend of both. And so how many hours prepare that uh, nurse practitioner for entry level practice? And what is what are the competencies that need to be achieved in order for that person to get to the point of, of graduation?
0: Right, I agree. Um, so it sounds like, I mean, I mean, we're just looking at, I always look at what the physician model looks like and what the nurse model looks like. And nursing for me has always been, why do we not have and more robust um, residency programs, whether it's new graduate for RNs or nurse practitioners. And there's just so much variation on a national level. Like I know I have, uh, I have friends um, that day one, they had like a one day orientation and said, here's your patient list. Mm-hmm. And then there's other places where like, oh, you're going to be with this other nurse practitioner or with this physician for three months. Uh, and then after that three months, you'll get your own patient population, blah, blah, blah. So there's just so much variation, I feel like there is in nursing practice that sometimes I feel like we're shooting ourselves in the foot by being, having so much variation. Uh, but, but you're right, it, it is time. It is time and experience and things like that that we need to really look at and mm-hmm. invest in the work of nursing so we, are, um, so we are more uniform and can practice, hopefully at some point on a national level. Uh, not like, you know, worry about which state you're in, which, you know, whatever. So, so it all makes very good sense. Um, So uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm I'm going to kind of switch, switch gears a little bit and talk about your work with AANP. Okay. Uh, So as president of AANP, what, what's on your priority list and what are the things that you're hoping to accomplish uh, during your, your time?
1: Well, I so AAMP as a whole and all of our members, and uh, you know, we have an overall mission, and and that is to provide the very best care across all communities, and uh, I think that's the overall goal. And AAMP has an acronym, PEARL, which is Practice, Education, Advocacy, Research, and Leadership, and there are so many programs and research Resources and, and continuing education modules and conferences and workshops and uh, so much more um, articles, things in each one of those areas so that if there is a nurse practitioner that wants to widen or broaden their portfolio and build up their strength in a particular area, that those resources and supports are in place. So as president, I am able to work with a fantastic board, all experienced uh, nurse practitioners who um, are looking and and they're kind of speaking on behalf of the membership. How can we continue to build these robust programs and resources uh, to make sure that our members have everything that they need? So there's that. But every president comes to the table with a little bit of a different um, background and things that they're particularly interested in. I know um, my predecessor, or the prior uh, president, Sophia Thomas, she, her whole background was working uh, with a, in a clinic of largely uninsured patients in our in community and social determinants of health. That was a huge platform for her. And she was very passionate about it. And, and so as are we all, but my background is really uh, much more focused in education and, and leadership because that's where I have a, a, quite a bit of experience. And so our discussion today about education, I could talk about that for hours and, um, it comes up all the time, education, and tell me more about NP education. And what I realized uh, from a lot of people uh, that I talk to is they just don't know. And so how can we better speak to what our education is right now? So one of the things I uh, did pretty quickly out of the gate, um, we also have a podcast series, is I asked several deans to join me in a podcast and to hear directly from Nursing school deans, more about NP education because who knows better, right? They're the ones that are working so hard to make sure that their program is meeting all the standards of accreditation. That they are graduating these students and have expectations that the students are are competent and um, are giving back. I mean, they're they are the ones that know. So that was important to me to elevate education and to educate as to what our education really is, because there are a lot of, um, you know, folks that just make, they just make assumptions that this is just supposed to be like physician education. Well, it's not, it's, it's very much advanced nursing education. And there is a beauty to that. And there is a philosophy to nursing that not many people know. And so how do we uh, share that message? And so, so education is a huge platform of mine, um, really embracing students. And I think we share that um, passion. Uh, do students have resources? Do they have resources? You, you're not just a, a student while you're in school, but you're, if you're like me, you're a lifelong learner. And are we providing ongoing education and resource, resources um, for students and, 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 and beyond? And so what are the supports in place for students? And, and that's, so that's another thing I do is I travel to different schools and I speak with uh, students and talk to them about um, how do you interview for a job? What are some tips on interviewing? Or I'll talk to them about, okay, you've landed a job. What are some things to expect over that next three months or that first three months in, in your new role? Or I'll talk to them about full practice authority. Many students, don't know what that is and and being able to practice to the full extent of your education and and your training. So um, I'll talk to students about that. And then I'll also talk to them about some of the resources that we have um, through our organization. So education, students, and then leadership. I'm very passionate about um, every single nurse practitioner, every nurse is a lead leader and they lead in their own particular way. And how do we build that and strengthen that and really um, you know, broaden their leadership portfolio? So they might be a clinical leader. They might be leading in health policy. They might be um, wanting to uh, get more involved in education and um, work for, you know, be a, a faculty member for a university. All of these examples, research, all of these examples are areas where, nurses can lead. And uh, so I am very passionate about finding um, those those strengths, finding those pearls that each of us have and how do we really polish that and and shine and represent um, our profession.
0: That's great. Um, Now you mentioned um, uh, education and it it, uh, triggered, it it turned on a light bulb in my head. master's programs versus DNP for nurse practitioners. Mm-hmm. Uh, your thoughts on that? Because the, both of them exist. Some people have BSN to DNP and some are, Some institutions have BSN to MSN and then if people want to go on to their DNP, what are your thoughts around that? Where should nurse so practitioners be in this?
1: So that, that's been a big discussion is how, um many professions have moved to a doctorate as their terminal degree. So you've seen it with physical therapists. You've seen this with other um, healthcare professions and uh, for nurse practitioners, there was a movement to do that uh, a few years ago, but, but to do that, we would need to make sure we had the uh, the educational um, base there to be able to actually get all of those nurse practitioners through a doctoral program. And we realized we did not have that infrastructure. And so um, that was um, postponed. And, but now we see okay, you hear a lot about um, the MSN to DNP and, and how do we move to a clinical doctorate? And lots of discussion with NOF. Uh, certainly, we've had that discussion with AANP. Um, many universities have that discussion and, and, and many universities actually have already moved to their terminal g- degree is a DNP. But I, th- I think right now at current state is the, the master's program is where you really learn those clinical skills to practice. And so the, as you, when you graduate from your master's program, you're ready for entry-level practice. The doctoral program expands upon that. And that's where you learn more of the um, leadership pieces, all that I was describing earlier, uh, the broader pieces um, in in research and in education and in um, healthcare and and working uh, across systems. Uh, So those together actually are a very compelling case for a much more broadly educated nurse practitioner But as we stand at Current State, the master's program, and there are master's programs across our country that are just fantastic. I mean, those NPs that have graduated from those programs are top-notch. As a person who has hired many, many, many NPs, um, when I would see that they are graduated from a particular program, I think, okay, that's somebody I want to hire and bring into our system. So I think we see the benefits of the DNP and how that combined with the MSN might be um, a a good combination. And we've seen several programs going ahead and moving in that direction. And so there's still that discussion of um, should we all move there? And if we did, how would that happen? But as we stand right now, we have many programs and um, certainly the master's prepared NP is ready for that entry-level practice. And many NPs out there that are master's prepared are doing a fantastic job.
0: Right, um, no, no, I agree. I, and there's a discussion we're having, I think, uh, not I think, we're having at our institutions of what we're going to, what, what our program is gonna look like in the future. Because right now we can, we're pushing out 60 to 80 uh, graduate, like master's level graduate uh, NPs in different areas any given year if we were to be a DNP program and we would lose our master's programs, we would have to like triple the number of faculty mm-hmm. for a DNP just because, you know, thesis and working things like that, that are um, that for the, for the doctoral program that are um, a lot more intensive and a lot more time from faculty, which we wouldn't So it would significantly impact the number of students we would be admitting and how would that impact the overall, NP workforce, if everybody went to a DMP type of a program, right? I think those are some of the struggles that we have. And we're we're talking about what would that look like? Um, so I think it's important that we keep that. Or, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. How, like, how what does that design look like? It's very difficult.
1: You have to build out the infrastructure and the pathway to be able to get there so that you have enough educators, that so you have enough opportunities and programs for NPs to be part of, and it's just a matter of developing that out. So I think what you're going through is very much what we're going through at our university, and and many are, are kind of mulling over right now and figuring out, okay, how how many years would it take to get there to build up to where we could get to that point? Right, right,
0: hundred percent. Um, uh, anything uh else uh with 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 um. Um, your um, organization or anything else you want to share with us today?
1: Well, I think it's, um, you know, I always think at the end of the day, uh, we're all nurses and nurses uh, have so many opportunities and um, some, some want to be a clinical nurse, work in the ICU for their entire career. They love it. Some decide they want to be an educator or they want to be um, in more involved in research, or, or maybe they uh, have um, acumen towards leading, and they might want to go up an executive nursing track. And we need nurses in all of these areas. We need nurse educators. We need nurses in in, in the political arena, and 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 we need nurses as senators and and congressmen. And so we and nurses on boards. And um, being a nurse practitioner is one avenue. And that's the avenue I've chosen, that's the avenue of over 325,000 nurses across the country. But I think it's really important to know that we need more nurses. We are um, hurting as a country, we're in a severe shortage for nurses, we need more. We need more programs to support nurses, the supply of nurses. We need more programs to support the supply of nurse practitioners. I think that is really important. And then for healthcare organizations, we need to have um, programs in place for a healthy work environment. So nurses have their voices heard, that they're supported, that they have avenues if they want to have avenues for professional growth and development, that they are there. And um, so I want to make sure that we, make sure we talk about those because those are very relevant things that are happening right now. Nursing shortage and burnout. And so that really needs to be uh, fixed. We need policymakers to put policies in place that will support increasing the supply and allowing us to work to the top of our education. We are educated very well and allowing nurses to be able to work to the top of our education, whether that be a nurse, a nurse practitioner, whatever type of avenue of nursing that we have chose to pursue, that we can work to the top of that education and training. And in our case, our national board certification. And then the very last thing, thank you for letting me say this, the very last thing I wanna say is in 2022, and I know this is your first podcast for 2022, and we've already kicked off the year with a bang, is that I hope that all nurses, all nurse practitioners, whatever they're doing out there will prioritize self-care in 2022 and that they will take care of themselves and take time to step back and take breaks, take time off from work uh, to realize if they don't take care of themselves, if they're not eating, exercising, sleeping, hydrating, getting out in nature, reading, doing things for themselves, they're not going to be able to bring their best self to their family, to those they love or to their patients and do what they love to do in the first place. So I I really hope that we all, uh, myself included, that we really say, you know, this year I'm going to need to prioritize self-care in order to be able to continue moving um, in a, in a forward dr- direction. I think we've all been running as fast as we can for the last two years, trying to help each other out and just running and running and running and running to, we're just so exhausted that we see nurses just dropping out of the profession entirely. Uh, we need to give back to ourselves as, um, as nurses and take care of ourselves.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much uh, for that. I, you know, hundred percent agree with, with that because this whole, uh, uh, I I I I took uh, I I took a different look, and then as uh, as many other people did, when this whole healthcare heroes came up and the self sacrifice came up, I'm like, this is not the conversation we should be having. Nursing nurses is not we're not martyrs. We're not we're not out there to. <laughs> to like sacrifice ourselves for other people. We are there to care for people. If we're not around, nobody else is taking care of these people. Right. Um, so, so important that we, we, the messaging we put out for nurses, that it's okay for us to take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, because as you mentioned, if we're, if we're not taking care of ourselves, we can't take care of those patients and um, those that we care for. Um, so, Thank you so much. Uh, I greatly appreciate I need to bring you back. There's so much more I want to talk to you about. Uh, so um, uh, thank you so much for your time. I, I greatly appreciate it. Um, and thanks for being on the first uh, show of the year. Uh, so thank you. thank you. Thank you
1: for having me. And, and, and you have a fantastic podcast and you reach a lot of people. And uh, thank you for doing that. I know you're very busy too. And it's good work. And it's wonderful to be able to listen to your voice and and others and hear their story as you're driving into work or as you're walking. And so I just want to really thank you for your podcast and all that you're doing.
0: I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, We have been listening to uh, Dr. April Kapu. Uh, She is the president of AANP and uh, doing great work uh, with Vanderbilt University. Uh, thank you so much and have a great rest of your day. You've been listening to the RN Mentor with your host, Ali Tayeb. Please don't forget to visit www.aliartayip.com that's www.alirtyyeb.com for podcast notes and resources and don't forget to subscribe until next time i wish you fair winds and following seas